Hi there. So let's continue with our discussion on impairments. And in the previous video, we saw the issue about the definition, some examples, the recognition criteria, and how goodwill and development cost is supposed to be treated in the books of account. Now, the second thing in every accounting standard we pick is subsequent measurements. So after the initial recognition, we go to subsequent measurements. Now, as a all assets, intangible assets are also, when it comes to subsequent measurements, we can adopt the cost module or the revaluation module. Okay? So we can go for the cost module or the revaluation module. That is what you need to understand when it comes to the uh, issue about intangible assets. Now, in case you didn't watch the first video or the part one of this video, you make sure that you go to my uh, page on Facebook or my YouTube channel and make sure you get a part one so that the continuation you will not uh, quote unquote freak out. So, what is the cost module about? You know this already under IAS 36. Did I say 36? IAS 16. Property, plants, and equipment. You know the cost module there, where we say that the carrying value of an asset is going to be the cost of the asset minus accumulated unused amortization or impairment or depreciation, if we want to. The reason why I'm using the word amortization, and as I mentioned, I told you that the impairment is going to bring itself as we continue and. This is where impairment is bringing itself. Then we can use the revaluation model where we say that the carrying value of an asset is the fair value minus any uh, impairment. Okay? Any impairment or amortization. So these two can be used as the uh, methods or module for subsequent measurement of assets. And to be specific in this illustration, intangible assets. Now, when it comes to using these two modules, especially, the standard requires that the fair value module can only be used when there is an active market that uh, the asset is traded on. What does that mean? Because fair market value or fair value simply means the value at which the asset can be exchanged within the shortest possible time in the market, right? Or within the sellers or the participants in the market. So that's the fair value. In other words, if we go to the market today, how much is this thing worth? That is the fair value. So before we can use the fair value module for intangible assets and by extension for all assets, it has to be uh, something that we are dealing with in relation to uh, the market. All right? There has to be an active market for that particular product. Now, having spoken about the cost module and the revaluation module, the next thing we need to discuss, which is also an important area, is to spend some time on the amortization, the issue about amortization. Now, remember that I was using this word consistently, I've been using the word consistently, especially in the previous video, where I mentioned that the development cost will have to be capitalized and amortized over the economic useful life of the assets. So when it comes to amortization, it simply has to do with the spread or the writing of, of a cost or the value of an intangible asset over its useful life. Now before we define about, we talk about amortization, 
When it comes to intangible assets, there are two questions that we need to ask ourselves before we decide how we're going to amortize that asset. The first question we, find, we ask ourselves is, does the asset have, a, does it have a definite economic useful life? So that's the first thing, that is the starting point. Does it have a definite economic useful life? If it does have a definite economic useful life, then the amortization, okay, it's going to be the cost of the asset divided by the economic useful life. Now, what does that mean? Back to my illustration about Kempinski, we have gone there, bought a franchise for $10 million, and we can use it for 10 years. What it means is that every year, we're going to amortize that, so it will be $10 million over 10 years, so that every year, we're going to get what? $1 million. Now, how will this $1 million be treated? We're going to be debiting the income statement because that becomes an expenses and we credit what? The franchise, that is the intangible assets in relation to the franchise apart in the balance sheet for the company. So that is when it has a definite useful life. But the second question is, sometimes it does not have a definite useful life. So what if it... Uh, uh, it doesn't have a definite useful life. What do we do? So if it has a definite useful life, it goes this way. Second, indefinite useful life. So indefinite economic useful life. Now when the asset has an indefinite economic useful life, like a patent, like goodwill, that means that we cannot amortize it over the useful life because it doesn't have one. So how then do we do that? The standard requires that all assets that, do, that don't have the definite useful life, we cannot amortize those assets, but at least once every year, we test for impairment. Okay? We test for impairment. Because remember, testing for impairment simply means looking at the value of it and how much it is worth right now. So this is where... IAS 16 comes to town. So let's now look at IAS 16, impairment of assets. So if the thing does not have a definite useful life, we're going to test for impairment. Now please note that that doesn't mean that a definite economic useful life asset cannot be impaired. They can because impairment is simply the loss in value of an asset. Okay, it's simply the loss in value of an asset. For instance, if you buy a phone today for ten million, uh, that's too much. You buy a phone today for say thousand dollars, and you are selling it tomorrow, and you sell it for you can sell it for hundred dollars. That is impairment. If you go to the showroom and buy a brand new car, drive it to your house and go back to the showroom that you are selling that same car, you will get it, you will get less than how much what you actually paid. It is called impairment. The value has been, uh, has diminished. So when it comes to IAS 16 impairment of assets, we say, or it states that an asset is said to impair, so there is an impairment, when the carrying value of the asset is greater than the recoverable amount. So there is an impairment loss when the carrying value of the asset is greater than the recoverable amount of the asset. What then do we mean here? It simply means that 
with a carrying value, you know it already, you can either be using the cost module or the revaluation module, which means your cost minus accumulated uh, amortization or fair value minus uh, uh, accumulated amortization or impairment. So with a carrying value, we're going to know that from our company. But what about the recoverable amount? So what is recoverable amount? The standard states that the recoverable amount of an asset is the higher of two things. Value in use and then fair value less cost to sell. You got it? So recoverable amount is the higher of value in use and fair value less cost to sell. Now, when we use the word impairment, we are not necessarily just talking about an asset. Rather, we are talking about what is termed as a cash generating unit. So a cash generating unit is simply a unit, it can be a segment, it can be a machine, it can be a department, it can even be a whole business that generates what cash. So for instance, if we are a company and we have a subsidiary, so we have another company, that company can be referred to as what? A cash generating unit, okay? Or we have a computer or a printer, sorry, and we, we have a printer and we use that printer to generate revenue for us. So because we print from it, we do photocopies for people, that printer becomes what? A cash generating unit. Now, so if we are testing for the impairment of that printer or testing for the impairment of the subsidiary or the company that we have an investment in, the standard requires that we look at the carrying value of that equipment, of that subsidiary, and compare it against what? The recoverable amount. The standard went ahead to clarify that if the carrying value is greater than the recoverable amount, then the asset has suffered what? Impairment. I hope you got that. But then the question is, how do we get a recoverable amount? To get a recoverable amount, it is going to be the higher of value in use. That is VIU and fair value less cost to sell. So the higher of these two. Now let me spend some time to discuss about these briefly. What is value in use? Listen to the name. Value in use. Value in use. In other words, what you get from the continuous usage of the asset. So if this asset is not disposed of today, and we want to use this asset for the next five years, what will we get from this asset? That is what we call the value in use. So in a nutshell, we say that the value in use is the present value of future cash flows. Future cash flows of the cash generating unit. Present value of future cash flows of the cash generating unit. Let me state here that when we are talking about present value of future cash flows, it includes both the cash flows that we are generating from the continuous usage of the asset, as well as how much we will sell the asset for at the end of its economic useful life. Get that well. This value in use includes two things. One, the cash revenue generated from the continuous usage of the asset as well as the amount we will realize when the asset is actually disposed of at the end of its economic useful life. So when we discount that into present term, that gives us the value in use. 
any less cost to sell can be seen as the net realizable value. So in a simple language, we can refer to that as the net realizable value. Now, what is the net realizable value? It simply means how much the entity can get right now for selling the assets. Alright? In other words, when we sell the asset right now, how much money can we raise? So it is fair value less cost to sell. So if we are selling that printer today, how much will we get as a revenue when we subtract the cost to sell? Because maybe we will be incurring the cost, a certain cost when we are selling the printer. So let's say we sell the printer for $5,000 and we incur a cost of $500 during selling. Meaning that the net realizable value of the printer becomes what? 4500 The standard is saying that if we compare that 4500 against the value in use, so let's say from the continuous usage of the assets, the present value is say 6200 How do we get a recoverable amount? It is the higher of these two. Okay, the higher of these two. So we're going to do workings for this, do workings for this. So the higher of the two, now if you check, 6,200, 4,500. So certainly, 4,500 becomes what? The highest. So that 4,500 becomes what? The sorry, 6,200 becomes the recoverable amount. Now, since that becomes the recoverable amount, we're going to compare that against the carrying value of the printer. Once we compare it against the uh, carrying value of the printer, if it is more than the carrying value of the printer, that means the printer has suffered what? Impairment by the difference. Why is this important? Because an asset must not be carried over or above its recoverable amount. An asset must not be carried over or above its recoverable amount. So that is what you need to understand about impairment. So when you undertake the workings and the recoverable amount is more than the carrying value, then that will be treated as what? A revaluation surplus. Because we will be seeing an upward revaluation and it will be treated according to IAS 16 revaluation of assets. Now, when we realize an impairment, the, the last thing that you need to note is about allocation of the impairment. How do we allocate impairments on a cash generating unit? There are three things that we need to understand. One, we first allocate impairment loss to separately identified impaired assets. So once there are some assets that have been stated that they are impaired, we allocate it to them. Second, we write off goodwill during the year. So all the goodwill that we have, it is $5 million and the impairment is so huge, we write off everything. If after writing off goodwill, there is still some amount of impairment left, then that will be prorated or shared or will be divided in proportion to the net value or the carrying value of the remaining assets. So these are what you need to understand about impairment of assets and by extension about IAS 38. So if you have any questions, comment below and I will be answering all your questions. I'll be shooting another video where I solve questions on these two standards and how you can practically use them to be able to uh, increase your chances of passing the examination. Remember, 
definitely the examiner is going to bring something about this. It could be a separately identified question or it could be part of the footnote where you need to do some adjustments. So I'll see you some other time.